So uh, I want to continue a little bit from what Ayanala Bodhi started yesterday, you know, speaking about what's the difference between the third foundation of mindfulness and the fourth foundation of mindfulness. The third is like paying attention to the mind. We can say, you know, the mood of the mind or the flavor of the mind is there, you know, Ayanala Bodhi read out a whole list of... Uh, how we can look at the mind in order to see, you know, how it is right now. And very often, you know, when we recognize what's happening in the present moment, then it's almost like opening the door for it to change. You know, if it's unwholesome, if we recognize that, often then it changes. It's only if we are kind of immersed in it, then we are just kind of pinning it down because we are identifying with it. And then the fourth foundation of mindfulness is, you know, the foundation of mindfulness of dhammas with a lowercase d, which means mindfulness of phenomena. And, you know, there, there's a frame, different frameworks which we can use in order to kind of look at our experience within those frameworks. And Ayananda Bodhi started to speak about the five hindrances yesterday. You know, rather than being completely lost in the five hindrances, you just look at your experience within that framework and then you say, oh, instead of kind of mulling over and over and over the story, you notice, oh, this is actually the hindrance of doubt. And that helps you, you, know, you step out of the story and you see more the structure of what's happening in the mind. And that's what, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness are there for. To help us, you know, to not get lost in the content, but to realize the structure, which means, you know, to see laws of nature operating the same, you know, in anybody. But we all have like a different tendencies, you know, which we have been cultivating, you know, over this lifetime or over many lifetimes. You know, one person has more like maybe, you know, the hindrance of desire will be more prevalent and another person the hindrance of anger or hindrance of doubt. <coughs> if you live in the monastery, you know, with people, you get really uh, good understanding, you know, about certain tendencies people have and because you can see, you know, I, I can see it minimally myself and I'm meditating since almost 25 years. There are certain themes, you know, they are reoccurring again and again and again. But I also can see, you know, through the practice that I'm going deeper and deeper. It's like a spiral, you know, you come back to the same thing again, but in a bit of a different way. And if we are practicing, you know, if our practice has some power, it's, it grinds, you know, into the depths. And one day we're going to get to the roots. And, you know, and this framework of the dhammas, you know, can help us to not thinking about them, you know, not thinking about the five hindrances. I mean, you have to hear about them once or read about them once, but then in the practice itself, it's more like, you know, you are caught up in a story, blah, 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 and then at one point you, you pause for a moment and then you say, oh, this is actually the hindrance of doubt. And then, you know, that whole kind of a thing for a moment stops. And then you feel you're kind of, you know, dragged along again, and then you step out again. Oh, this is doubt. 
And then through that, you know, you are cutting the momentum again and again and again. The momentum will slow down through that cutting, you know. And the five hindrances are like, a, it's like, a, you know, if you have a broken leg, you need, need a cast and you need a, a crutch. It's like a, something, you know, which helps us to hold steady and not get carried away in the content of the story. And I had a body yesterday and I was pointing out that we put up a poster with the five bowls of water. You know, this is different ways how we can, you know, get caught up in past content, projecting it onto the present. <coughs> and then as soon as you recognize it, you know, as soon as you know, oh, you know, there's desire in present in my mind right now and everything what I'm seeing I'm seeing through the through the veil of the desire, you know. Then that kind of can be very helpful, you know, to step out, to step back from the story, and to just be with what's really happening right now, you know. And we only have to do it a million times, but if we do it that way, you know, then the um, the power of the habit will will be diminished. Every time you know you're recognizing it, every time you diminish it a little bit, and every time you buy into it and go along, you make it stronger. So that's you know not only are you lost in the present moment, but also you're building up a tendency, you know, and that I think that can be, you know, quite motivating for me at least, you know. It's like an addiction, you know, you do it once and then you do it twice, you do it three times and then you're already, you know, you're sold. So, you know, it's not a small issue because it can be, you know, with little things like, you know, chocolate, but it can be also with things which kill you, you know. So it's really serious. And also, you know, in relationships and in everything. And to just, you know, notice how quickly such a dependency can be established, you know. You do something two, three times, which you really like. At a certain time, then you start to expect it, you know, and then you start to kind of try to manipulate your life to have it, and then you're already addicted. So it's, it's a very important, you know, mechanism to understand. And the five hindrances are a very old kind of template, but still completely applicable, you know, to us sentient beings. It's, nothing has changed in this regard. And, uh, you know, the five hindrances, they are hindering the mind from seeing clearly. You know, and seeing clearly means, you know, to know what is good for oneself and what is good for others. If the hindrances are present, we are confused, you know. We think something is good for us, which actually most likely might not, you know. And then also f same, you know, for others as well. So it's, you know, it's a very important area, you know, to get some clarity about. And to find some skillful means, you know, to, to protect ourselves from that power to be carried away. And it's not about, you know, and that's also really important, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness are not about suppressing, but they are just like skillful means, you know, to help us to come into balance. 
and to pro you know protect us from indulging but at the same time also protect us from suppressing because you know if there's for example the hindrance of aversion present then we actually have to protect ourselves to suppress that you know and not wanting to be conscious of the aversion you know because it's so painful or we feel ashamed about it then you know we might have a tendency to just pretend it's not there and just go and eat something or smoke or whatever you know do anything to not feel it so the hinder you know the, this template of the hindrances also protects us from suppression it's all about you know coming back to the middle coming back to a balance ideally you know coming back to an equanimity and to a patience you know with the way things are and then, you know, if we can really stay balanced and equanimous with the feelings you know, which are thrown up when the hindrances are present, then if the feelings are, you know, if they're unpleasant, if we can stay open, we'll get the information we need to have. Because, you know, there is also, whenever anything is present, you know, aversion, desire, whatever, there's also information we need to know in it. But if we kind of shut down because we don't want it, we don't get that information and we need it, you know, in order to be really able to understand and unravel the tangle, we need to know as much as possible. And for that, you know, we need to receive whatever is happening in open awareness. You know, like we were guiding you about, you know, just sitting, body breathing and just being there. So we need to know because we, you know, the, all of those, the feelings, the emotions, the sensations, you know, everything what we can uh, become aware of in those four foundations, they hold some information for us, you know, to motivate us to sometimes something needs to be done, you know. If I sit here and I feel it's getting really hot and then I see it's burning over there, it would be the right thing to get up and do something. You know, it would be really stupid not to. But then, you know, if I sit here and I feel I'd like to have chocolate, it would be better not to get up. <laughs> so, you know, it's, there is information which we need to kind of process, you know. But if we shut down or if we get lost, then it's not available. So the, those five hindrances, this framework, you know, is like, like a frame work. It's a frame, you know, to hold on and then you just let it all happen and you you have you're steady, you know. You take in the information, then you you know, respond rather than knee jerk reaction, you respond what's good, you know, in within the framework of what's wholesome for myself and what is wholesome for others. And you know if we do that then uh, the Buddha has, you know, besides, he has given this um, um, teaching uh, explanation you know, of the water bowls. He is also giving us, like, some explanations about how it would be, you know, to be free of the hindrances. And he says, you know, to be free of desire is like to be free of debt, you know. So, you know, you, you don't need to think about this anymore because you have paid off your debts and you're free. So that's the free of desire. Then free of aversion is, you know, if you have recovered from a disease, 
this is, you know, having aversion is it's a very unpleasant feeling. And if there's no aversion, then we are just at ease. And being free from sloth and torpor is like being released from prison. Because, you know, when you're having this sloth and torpor, it's just like you feel like it's, it's all, you, you can't get out. And it's even, you know, painful to, oh, it's even too much to open your eyes or sit up straight. It's this kind of oppressive feeling. And when it's over, you know, it's being, being out of the prison, opening the door and stepping out into the daylight. And also, you know, this loss and topo can also be sometimes even, you know, confused with what's called self-compassion, you know, just being nice to yourself, allowing yourself, okay, you know, just a little bit. Mm -mm -mm. And then, you know, it just can become a habit how we retreat from difficulties, difficult feelings and difficult... Yet whenever the hindrance, you know, hindrance, maybe a hindrance of aversion is present, and then rather than being with it, you know, you just change the hindrance and go into sloth because it feels like peaceful, you know. But if it would be a, a really wholesome state, you know, then lots of cats and dogs would be all enlightened because they're, you know, lying around the whole day <laughs> and kind of half asleep, you know, and they're obviously not. So that's something, you know, to really take very seriously. That hindrance can be very insidious and I know about it very well because I did it myself, you know, for like many, 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 many years. Yeah. Because it's very, very, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, unwholesome because you don't, you don't kind of do anything unkind to anybody, you know. But you do a lot to yourself in this way, you know. And you, the habit can be built up, can become very strong. It's really important to just put the break, you know, break of mindfulness and not fool yourself, you know, thinking this is a, like a peaceful, collected samadhi or something, because it isn't. And then the next one, restlessness, is being, you know, being released from slavery. You know, not anymore having to kind of do everything the master says. You can just be, you know, you can do what, what you want to do. Restlessness and worry, yeah. You know, the worry also which like sends you constantly back and forth, thinking, 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 thinking. And then the last one is doubt. And that's compared, you know, with having finished a dangerous journey, you know, through the desert or somewhere where you didn't know if you get food, if there would be some bandits, you know, robbing you or if there's some dangerous snakes or anything. So once you have, the doubt has been put down, you know, it's like you come to, your, to the oasis and you can just, you know, relax. So that's those very poignant, you know, um, pictures, you know, which the Buddha gives, what absence of hindrance feels like, you know, the, the sense of relief which comes. And as another body said yesterday, it's really important to notice it, you know. Any moment when there is no hindrance present, the mind is just like bright. 
And it's, it's just like a mirror, you know, mirroring back exactly what is present right now without adding anything extra. And that's really, you know, what we want to cultivate more and more, to be able to rest in that state as much as possible. Because this is, you know, acquainting us with the way things really are. And this is, you know, where wisdom is cultivated. But also, you know, working with the hindrances and recognizing them is also a way how wisdom is cultivated and compassion, you know, because if you understand how hindrances, you know, take hold of your own mind, you can extrapolate that how it does that with other people, of course, as well, you know. And there's more capacity for tolerance, you know, and acceptance and, and compassion. And, uh, you know, we can also compare it with, uh, you know, if you work in the garden and there's lots of weeds, you know, we are not kind of throwing the weeds away, but we use them to produce compost and then we bring them back, you know, into the garden and then the garden will flourish even more than before. Because, you know, the energy which is caught up in the hindrances is still precious energy. We just have to free it up, you know, from these unwholesome patterns. And if we do that, you know, if we add awareness, we don't have to get rid of anything. We just have to add awareness and mindfulness. And then it's all, it starts to open up and it starts to transform. So that's, I think that I found that a very helpful notion of looking at it. It's not about getting rid of anything. It's just about not getting lost by adding something. And that something is, you know, sati, or mindfulness, sati champachanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension or awareness. So we add, as soon as we add that, the hindrance immediately starts to open up and shows its true face, you know. And then, if we do that repeatedly, we start to free up the energy which is caught. I'm sure, you know, if you're practicing for some while, you can see, you know, that certain powerful habitual patterns, they lose their strength over you because you are putting on the brake, you know, by adding awareness. And you just have to keep going and not, you know, not give up. It doesn't have to be, you know, super perfect and 100% or whatever. You just do what you can. And it works because I did it too and it, it did work. You know, it just took some time. It took longer than what I was hoping for. <laughs> but nevertheless, it worked, you know. And especially also, you know, remembering that if you don't do it, you, you make the habit stronger, you know, and then it's going to be more work down the line. So, you know, there is no, ex I mean, there is no real good uh, excuse for not studying now. Because you can't, you can't win, you know, that way. There's no other way to do it. And... Uh, also, you know, under certain circumstances, you know, adding awareness is not enough because it's so overpowering. Then, you know, there, there are some antidotes, you know, which we can use 
For example, if you have extremely strong aversion, but you have to go to this place and you have to meet these people and you just feel like so stressed out because you think, you know, everybody sees just from the first moment how you feel, then you could apply an antidote. For example, in the case of aversion, it would be meta-meditation. And I have brought this book from Venom Analeo where he lists the uh, antidotes, you know, which are mentioned in the scriptures. So I just want to read them for you. And those antidotes, as I said before, you know, they are not for suppression. They are to, just there to counterbalance, you know. They are just there to counterbalance the whole, you know, the whole uh, set of tools which the Buddha has given us. It's all about, you know, bringing us to the middle, balancing. And in the process of doing that, learning from it, you know. And not succumbing to suppression or indulgence. That's the practice, you know. And, and mindfulness and awareness is the central, you know, tool for that. And then, sometimes that's not enough, then we can add extra. And now I'm going to just read that for you. In case of sensual desire, and did you know you might not be very happy to hear some of those, but that's what's written, so <laughs> I just say it anyway, okay? And we can then try to translate it into kind of modern West Coast balance, if you like. <laughs> so sensual desire general acquaintance with and formal meditation on the body's unattractiveness. This is what we did, you know, yesterday, with the heaps of skin, flesh and bones, guarding the senses. What you're doing here, you know, on retreat, that's a method of guarding the senses, you know, because there's lots of things which you just can't do, so you're not you're seduced, so. You don't even have to guard the senses because, you know, we have set it all up for you. Moderation in food and good friends and suitable conversations. Suitable conversation is very easy if there's noble silence, I guess. And then aversion, general acquaintance with and formal meditation on loving kindness, metta. Reflecting on the karmic consequences of one's deeds. You know, when, for example, when I was speaking about, you know, if you indulge in the hindrances, you just make more out of them. That is the same thing. Repeated wise consideration, good friends and suitable conversation. So good friends, you know, everything has, has good friends because that's really one of the kingpins, you know, for the practice to go anywhere to have good friends, to be with the wise people, rather than with the foolish people. Sloth and topper, lessening food intake, changing meditation postures, cognition of light, opening the eyes, you know, looking in the window, looking at the candle, staying outdoors, good friends and suitable conversations. Restlessness and worry, Good knowledge of the discourses, so of the scriptures, because then you know, you, you know, you, you can just find it in the scriptures if you're not quite clear. 
clarification of the discourses through questioning, being well versed in ethical conduct, because then we don't have to have regret, visiting experienced elders, good friends and suitable conversation. And then doubt, good knowledge of the discourses, clarification of the discourses through questioning, being well versed in ethical conduct, strong commitment, good friends and suitable conversation. And there's also another one, you know, which, is, which covers all five, which is reflecting on death. You know, that I might die, you know, I, it is certain that I will die, I just don't know when. Or this could be my last breath. You know, it sounds like, what's that, you know, I, I don't feel anything. But if you really start digging into it, you know, if, you don't, if, if we say that to ourselves, you know, I could die, next breath I could be dead. And if you don't feel anything, that means, you know, that there's well, a lot of ignorance present, you know. Because it's, it's really possible, you know. And if, in order for these truths, you know, to really have an effect, we have to kind of consider it. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a reflection we have to repeat in order to really sink in so that we really understand what that actually means, you know. Because, for example, you know, if you would see it's burning out there, you jump up, you know. And, and reflection on death is compared sometimes, you know, somebody having a, a turban and the turban is burning, you know, in India at that time. I mean, of course, you just want to take it off, you know. And if we really, you know, allow ourselves to really kind of let that truth to really touch us completely, you know, it, we would feel a, a sense of urgency, you know, that's the chant we did this morning about, you know, the three characteristics, the five khandas and all of the different points. It was a chant, you know, has a lot of the teachings in it. It's, it's there, you know, to arouse a sense of urgency. It's called Samvega in the, in the Pali. And it's a very important motivator, you know, for practice. And I think in this day and age, what I find really very helpful, you know, to arouse a sense of urgency also is, is uh, the, the fact, you know, of climate change and what effect it will have, you know, on our children and their children, you know, and uh, that this, you know, this, this truth of climate change is because, just because of those three poisons, you know, greed, hatred, and delusion, which manifest as the five hindrances, for example. So it's not a small issue, you know. You can, you can wipe off a whole species from the planet just because of those three poisons. So it's not something, you know, which is just like a side issue or something. So I think, you know, we can get so used to the teachings and, you know, reading the books and hearing the people speak that, you know, it loses the edge. And I think only we know, you know, how to bring that edge back for ourselves because it's important, you know. And, and the Buddha did, you know, break through to full enlightenment because he had that edge, you know. 
he wasn't complacent. And he just there, he, he put his whole everything, you know, on the line. And then he, everything came to him. So that's really important, you know, how much you put into the practice, the sense of urgency, you know, the as a really strong aspiration. You know, however strong that is, that's what will come back to you in terms of support, you know. Things popping up, you know, you can't control, but it comes to you because the whole universe will respond to support your effort, you know. Because the universe is here, so we can take that journey, you know, to waking up and realizing ourselves as part of it. And then the five hindrances are one template, you know, which we can use, you know, to make that journey without completely kind of going to pieces, you know. So we can stay focused and we have something, you know, to ground ourselves with when the going gets tough, you know, and it does get tough sometimes. So that's my little reflection for this morning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.